This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Did you all find John chapter 13? Let's pray together, and uh, we'll get into what I want to share with you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, we say this, we make reference to this term, turn your expector on. So what I I want you to do is just for a moment here, just push the pause button on the rest of all the things you got going on in your life, okay? Or the lunch that you're really excited about having, wherever it is you're going to have it or whatever. And just let's, let's, uh, let's zero in and let's let Jesus speak to us today, okay? Father, we love you today. And uh, we could not be more blessed as a people because of all that you have done for us, Father, the light and the life, the salvation that has been afforded and made available, Father God, to whosoever. We thank you for this time together. I want to thank you, Father, for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. I thank you for opening up the eyes of our understanding. Enlighten our hearts, Father. Help us to see your plan and purpose. Thank you, Lord, for in our pursuit of your will for our lives, God, that you will grant your grace, your blessing, and your reward upon those, Father, who choose uh, to be followers of you. And I just want to thank you, Father, for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Help me to say those things and speak those things that you would have me to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus, um, the evening, actually, or at least the beginning of the process of his being betrayed, had a final meal, if you want to call it that. We refer to it as the Lord's Supper. It was the Passover. Uh, It was a religious uh, holiday, if you want to call it that, was recognized by the Jews. And uh, after he had finished uh, the meal, the Bible says that, matter of fact, let's just read that. I mean, I've got a couple verses that I want to share with you uh, uh, for the most part. But uh, let's start with verse 12 in this same chapter. Um, well, no, 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 no. Let's see. Um, verse 4. It says that Jesus rose from supper, and he laid aside his garments, and he took a towel, and he girded himself. And after he poured water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Drop down to verse 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken, the, uh, taken his garments and was set down again, He said to them, do you know what I've done unto you? You call me master and Lord, and and you say, well, for so I am. But if I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. He said, verily I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, Neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy will you be if you do them. So the Lord Jesus basically shared an example with the people closest to him about servanthood, about being a servant to those that are around him. And after all, you know, that's what he's called us to do. Now, if you look into the Old Testament, you know, under the law of Moses, when God gave him those laws, the first of which was, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind. And then the second was like unto that, and love your neighbor 
as yourself. Upon these two things hang all of the law and the commandments. So that, that was given to the people in the Old Testament to love God and to love those around them. Well, of course, uh, they could do that to a certain degree. But then as we look in this verse, or this chapter, I should say, let's look at verse 40, or 34. Jesus made this uh, statement. He said, a new commandment. Everybody say new. new. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Hallelujah, that you also love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one toward another. So he refers to it as a new commandment. Well, again, you know, we look back to the Old Testament, said love God, love your neighbor. But when he talked about a new commandment, he was talking about the ability or the capacity to love as he loved. Because people under the Old Covenant or the Old Testament could not love the way Jesus loved because they did not have within their nature the ability. You know, human love is basically, if you love me, I'll love you. You know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch you. But it has some flaws because a lot of times in human love, if something goes sideways or whatever, then all of a sudden that love can turn into hate in a hurry. But God's love, the love of God, the kind of love that Jesus gave to us through the new birth gives us the capacity or the ability to love as he loved. And he, the Bible says, loved us so much, <clears throat> excuse me, that he was willing to lay down his life as a ransom for all. Amen. So not only did he become a servant as an example to these disciples, but praise God, he gave his life for you and I. So in talking about this, you know, in talking about, you know, love being the road to victory or the way to victory, most people don't think in those terms. They don't think that loving people can give them victory in their lives. It's, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, you know, especially in the world we live, because after all, everybody, you know, it's kind of like dog eat dog. It's like, uh, go after whatever you can get and hope for the best and all this kind of thing. And so <clears throat> he's, he's demonstrating a new way of living. You know, I, I love the song. I mean, uh, years ago, we used to sing this song, I found a new way of living, a new life divine, love, joy, health, peace. Jesus made them mine. I have prosperity, power, and victory because I abide in the vine. I found a new way of living. How many of you know God wants to give people a new way of living? And it's his way. It's the best way. It's the way to win. It's the way to have victory in your life as a human being. So I want to talk this morning about living by the law of love. It's not enough to talk about it. You know, I can preach till Jesus comes, but if, if we're not going to put it into practice, if we're not going to make it a way of life or living, then it's really not going to be, uh, do us much good. And so I want to talk about living by that law. And, you know, essentially that's what Jesus was, you know, speaking or talking or telling his disciples prior to his conviction, he basically just said, you know, here's the way to win in life. Love one another. Now, how many of you have discovered it's a little easier to love some people than other people? Huh? Yeah. I mean, after all, hallelujah. <clears throat> you know, Joan and I, 
we were born again uh, 45 years ago. <laughs> I don't even like to say that, that number. That's old. Hallelujah. Be 46 years uh, coming this, uh, this July and, and August. 46 years that we've had the privilege of being able to be a follower of His. Now, I'd like to tell you that we did everything right in those 46 years, but then I probably wouldn't be telling the truth. Uh, we had some things we had to learn. We had some things we had to unlearn. But praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. You know, God's seen something in us, and He sees something in you. You know, a lot of times the devil will say, you're no good, you'll never make it, you're not worth anything. Well, you know what? Nothing could be further from the truth. After all, the devil is a liar. God sees something in you, and that's really all that matters. Hallelujah. And uh, so <clears throat> we were born again, you know, uh, like I said, 45 years ago, 18 and 19 years young. And really, uh, uh, it changed our lives forever. Uh, it's, I can't even begin to describe the transformational change that coming to know Christ uh, had on our lives. I mean, it, 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 I mean, there's, there's really no way to describe it because we moved out of darkness into the light. Now, there are a lot of things that we didn't know, but thank God we come to learn those things. But he set us on a path so that we could have an abundant life. And I got to tell you, I can testify to the fact that over all of these years, our lives are so incredibly rich because of him. Now, again, let me say, we haven't done everything perfect, but I tell you what, we sure enough have worked on it. Amen. And the same thing can happen for anyone because, again, I, I just cannot tell you how much, how it transformed and changed and blessed our lives. We were just talking about it last night. Went to Culver's. Hallelujah. Everybody say thank God for Culver's. Them butter burgers are a bomb, man. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it's like I told uh, I was doing a membership class this morning. I said, man, there was a line from here to out in the middle of central Nebraska, you know. And how come I got off on that? Oh, we were talking. <clears throat> we were talking about our lives. You know, you need to, uh, you know, the Bible encourages us to be thankful. Pause, you guys, and smell the roses. Doesn't mean that life is perfect. Doesn't mean you got everything together. Doesn't mean, you know, that uh, it doesn't mean any of those things. But I'm telling you what, you're blessed because you know him. Huh? And um, so you need to do that. But uh, uh, we were just, <clears throat> we were talking about it, I guess, in the context of people that, you know, we used to hang out with and things that we used to do that were ungodly. But we didn't know any different. You know, people do ungodly things because they don't know any better. Now, some folk, they know better, but they just do it anyway. <clears throat> but we didn't know. We didn't know Jesus. We didn't know anything about the plan that he had for our lives. We were just doing what everybody else does. You know, it's just like a herd of people that are running, uh, and they don't realize there's a cliff in front of them. That's why Jesus gave life to the church so that she could be salt and light to be able to help people before they get to the dropping off point. Because there's a bunch of them, man, I mean, they're dropping off every day. Are you listening to me? So <clears throat> uh, we have this privilege, but surrendering your life to him, that's what we did. That's what brought the change. It wasn't a bunch of 
okay, we're just going to start behaving here or whatever. We'd already figured out we couldn't do that very well. How many of you ever figured that out? If you don't have his help, you're just in a world of hurt. And uh, we surrendered our lives to him. You know, when Jesus <clears throat> in another place was preaching, he said that, uh, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus wants to give you an abundant life. And you can have an abundant life if you will follow him. Now, people may argue it with their own personal experience, and I get, it, I get that, you know, but I'm telling you, I believe his words. I believe what he said. I've seen it in the lives of people. So a lot of times, if you run into someone <clears throat> who contests the idea that Jesus wants to give them an abundant life, more than likely, the error or the problem is not with Jesus, but rather with them. Thanks for your excitement. But it's true. You know, I mean, I believe what Jesus said. He said, I came to give you a life, the God kind of life, life as I know it. And you can have it. You got to fight for it. You know, I mean, there's, there's changes you have to make. There are um, thinking, you know, thought patterns, mindsets. That's why the Bible tells us to renew our mind to the Word of God. Amen. You know, and um, you got to change your stinking thinking. A lot of people have problems with their attitudes, and they can't figure out how come life isn't good for them. You know? So you got to get over it. Okay? Nobody's going to change that for you. You're going to have to change it. Well, you know, if my wife would this, or my husband would this, or my job was this, or my boss wouldn't this, and you know, dude, at what point are you going to stop blaming everything else around you in your world for your problems? Uh, thank you again for that burst of enthusiasm. Hallelujah. But I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you that he said he wants you to have an abundant life, and I believe that. And my wife and I have had the privilege of being able to experience that. It hasn't been without challenges. You know, there aren't, you know, I mean, if you're living in this world, dude, you're going to have battles to fight. That's all there is to it. But thank God you can know the truth and the truth will make you free. And so it ought to be your ambition. It ought to be the direction that you go. And, and I tell you what, he certainly has done that for us. We're living witnesses to it. Praise God. And so we're thankful for that. But it's available for everyone. And, and at the end of the day, it starts with being born again. Now, for many of you, you all understand God's plan of salvation. You've been born again. But for those that perhaps do not, and maybe some of those that may be viewing, I, I want to unpack what I mean by that. Because a lot of people say, well, I believe in Jesus. Well, that's great. So does the devil. But do you know him? Do you, <clears throat> do you have a, a personal relationship with him? Because if you don't, you're no better off. That's, that's what makes the difference in, in a person's life. And, <clears throat> and uh, when Jesus was talking to um, a religious ruler in John chapter 3, he told the, the I mean, this is a, 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 a big wig, if you want to call it that, in the church, of the Jews that came to him under the shadow of darkness. 
and said, we know that you're a teacher that's come from God. Nobody can do the miracles that you do and God not be with him. And Jesus just went right to the point. I mean, he didn't get into some exegesisal, you know, kind of conversation with him or anything of that nature. He said, unless a man is born again, he'll never see the kingdom of God. Wow. A guy needs to be what? Born again. Nicodemus says, well, what's that mean? I mean, you know, does that mean you enter a second time into your mother's womb and you become born again? Jesus said, no, 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 no. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That's why I tell you, you have to be born again. So when we talk about being born again, or we talk about the new birth, those are interchangeable, you know, uh, terms. But when we talk about the new birth or being born again, we're talking about the rebirth or being born of the Spirit of God because the Bible says that all of us are born into sin. We have a nature that is sinful. And that sinful nature is what sentences us to death or condemns us. That's why Jesus came, so that we could have his life instead of spiritual death. Hallelujah. So he said you have to be born of the Spirit of God and receive this everlasting life that I offer. And that's the big deal. And that is is simply people reject the terms. What's the terms? The terms are to acknowledge that you need a Savior, that Jesus is that one who came and gave his life for you to repent and turn from your sin and make Jesus the Lord of your life. That's the conditions. You know, you say, is that a good deal? It's the best deal you'll ever get in any of your life. But the devil will tell you time and time again, oh, no, 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 no. No, you don't want to do that because if you do that, then you won't be able to live the way you want to live. Well, most of what I discovered in living the way I wanted to live is that it didn't bring life and life more abundant. It killed, it stole, and it destroyed my life. But when you're blind, like I was, and like so many of us, you don't know any different. Pride, <clears throat> nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, that's, that's true. You, you certainly are a free moral agent to decide how it is that you want to live your life. You can do that. But on the other hand, it might be well for you to give consideration to what it is that Jesus did for you. Because he did it for you. He did it for us. But we have to bow our knee to the lordship of Jesus in order to experience the reality of it. Are you with me? That's what my wife and I did when we were 18, 19 years old. We gave him all of our heart. We gave him all of our mind. We gave him all of our soul. Was there a risk in that? Uh, I guess, maybe, you know. <laughs> but when you make him Lord of your life, there is no risk. It's only what you think. Are you listening to me? Does this help you at all? Hallelujah. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. So if you're into this whole, uh, what I call uh, moralism, you know, like, well, I'm a pretty good guy or I'm a pretty good gal and I don't, you know, 
uh, drink or chew or go out with women that do or, you know, whatever, you know, uh, yippee, good for you. But your, your goodness, your own self-developed uh, goodness will get you no closer to the kingdom of heaven than anything. It's not about you and what you do. It's about him and what he did. And the only way that it, you can enter into the kingdom of heaven is by your surrender to him and to his will and to his plan. And what a great plan it is. The Bible says that the wages of sin, that's interesting, the terminology, the wage that you get by paying with your life to sin is death. That's what you get out of the deal. But it goes on to say in Romans 6 and 23 that the gift, everybody say gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't it something? You know, the devil will grind you into the ground with sin and try to tell you the lie that it's so great and wonderful and you can live your life and do whatever you want. And that's what you get as a reward out of the deal. But the Bible says, praise God, that's a pretty big price to pay, but the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Huh? The Bible says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when we call on the name of the Lord, we can be saved. Hallelujah. That's what, you know, you hear the term, you know, getting saved or being saved or whatever the case might be. You know, that's what we're talking about. It's when we surrender to him. Hallelujah. Now, you know, for whatever reason, let me say it one more time. You can sit there and you can say, well, you know, I'm my own person. I've done pretty good for myself. And maybe you have. God bless you. Hallelujah. Yeah, you're, you're light years ahead of me. But the reality is that no matter who you are, you still have within you the nature of sin. And without Jesus and his blood being applied to the, your heart, uh, you'll bust the gates of hell wide open. You know, and that's a sad day. But thank God it doesn't have to happen. You say, yeah, but I just believe everybody's going to heaven. I would maybe think that theology over a little bit. Used to have a guy uh, within our circles, word of faith circles, preach, praise God. I mean, you know, you talk about lighting the place on fire. People got saved, got turned on to the word, but he got deceived. And now he's into universalism. And now he preaches that everybody's going to get saved. Sin will mess you up. Huh? You know? Well, how can a loving God, you know, if he's a loving God, how can he send people to hell? Because he gives you a choice. And when you reject his choice, when you reject Jesus, then you put yourself in your own, your own deal. You're on your own. Huh? So we have to make that choice, and it's a beautiful, beautiful choice. Huh? Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Yeah. Amen. Um, so uh, let's move on, okay? It's the new birth or being born again that makes it possible to live by the law of love. My wife and I... <laughs> We couldn't succeed in doing right if our life depended on it. We tried. 
I'd pick her up on a date, go out to the house, pick her up. I'd say, let's, you know, she would say, hey, let's, let's just try to behave. It wouldn't last, I mean, 30 minutes, tops. <laughs> Our lives before Jesus were, um, we were just lost kids. You know, that's all there is to it. My wife sang in the choir as a teenager, but I tell you what, praise God, she didn't have any business being in the choir because she didn't know Jesus. She could sing. Can I tell them that story about what you do ahead of time before you went to choir practice? They'll understand. Huh? Thank you, Katie. I cannot tell you the story about what my wife would do before she went to choir practice, okay? Sorry. But um, her activity was that of a lost person. How can I say any more than that without getting in a whole lot of trouble? <laughs> but we were both that way, you know? We just didn't, we didn't know him. But you know, you guys, I mean, when, when we, listen, when we gave our heart to Jesus, everything changed. And it wasn't on our effort. It was because he was in us. I told you my story. When I got saved, he's no longer the, the sheriff of Pottawatomie County, but I was a friend with Jeff Danker. And when, when I got saved, I called him because I was um, um, I was so shook because I couldn't understand what had happened to me, because I had peace. You know, when, when you live in turmoil and Jesus shows up, all that goes away. And not only that, but all of these desires and things that I once had, 99% of them, man, they fell off of me like water off a duck's back. And that was not normal. Not normal at all. I got delivered. So I called him. I said, what, what has happened to me? He says, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, I don't want this. I don't want to party. I don't want to do this, and, you know, and, and I've got this peace. But I prayed this prayer on the way uh, to Logan up here by a tree farm on a road someplace and gave my heart to Jesus. He said, well, you've been bored again. I said, good. What's that mean? I didn't know what that meant. But he changed my life forever. And he did it from the inside out. That's what he does. Glory to God. So when we get born again, it makes it possible for us to live by the law of love. And really, you know, that's what my wife and I have been doing for the last 45 years. I'll kind of, I'll couch this within the context of married relationships and things. I mean, you have, you know, your family extended and this and that and the other, or just acquaintances uh, to which all of this applies. But you have to understand, you know, that, that we started to learn. I'll give you a simple, a very simple uh, thing that we did. This, we were married then uh, at this point. But, you know, you'll get in the company of groups uh, or, or couples or people and, um, you know, you'll, you'll find that people can, uh, in, within couples, uh, they can get a little snarky. You know what that, that means? Um, uh, snide remarks, sarcasm. Maybe that's the right word. And, and so we watch this happen, and it, 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 is, it isn't meant to hurt anything, but it escalates and it does. So when we would leave this group of people, my wife and I would have a conversation 
about being sarcastic and that it shouldn't be a part of the way we not only treat one another or even how other people are treated. So we made the decision. We cut it off. We said that we won't have any more of that. Because I watched it, we watched it destroy people's lives, couples' lives, by being sarcastic. It's a simple thing, you know, but it, it, can, it can mess you up. And people don't think that much about it, but listen, we're, we're not to be ignorant of the devil's, what? What does he refer to them as? Devices or wiles or schemes. So we never ever said anything about or to one another that would um, have that tone or that flavor in it. We put away harsh words. You know, now that's not to say that we didn't agree. I mean, that we didn't disagree. That's a better way of putting it. We did. We disagreed on, you know, all kinds of things. But we never allowed harsh words to be directed toward one another. Are you listening to me? You say, well, you can't do that. I mean, you just can't have a relationship without, you know, barking a little bit. Oh, yeah, you can. You just don't want to. Again, thank you for that burst of excitement. You, <clears throat> you have to set boundaries, and you have to say, these things will never be a part of our relationship. Are you with me? And it's got to be, sometimes it has to be just that intentional. Are you with me? There will be no harsh words between us. You know, some of you, you know, I mean, your life gets all jacked up and you wonder what happened. Well, just go back and take a look. You say, well, what's the answer there? Repent. Boy, what a powerful message. Yeah, just wow. No being disrespectful. You know, sometimes when I watch couples interact with one another, I ask myself the question, wow, uh, there might be a little bit of work to do there. Everyone is deserving of dignity. You know, sometimes I do some really bonehead things, you know, but never, ever, ever once in 45 years can I ever remember my wife saying something demeaning like, you idiot, or what are you thinking, or whatever. I mean, however you would describe that, never. I said never. So I thought, you know, that's, that's, that's a pretty good way to live. Maybe I, maybe I ought to pick up on that. So I started doing the same thing. Are you with me? Do you want to live? Do you want to win? Do you want to live in life? Do you want to win? Well, six of you do. How about the rest of you? You want to win? Then you better start doing what it is he asked you to do. The Bible says, don't ever let corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but rather that which is good, everybody say good, Good. to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the, how many of you know we need grace? We are human. Oh, do we need grace? Oh, hallelujah. So don't be the one that's doing that. 
We're talking about living by the law of love. Part of that is, is that you put the other person first. Ooh, that's counterintuitive to the old flesh Huh? Why? Because your flesh wants to be what? First. You pet me. No, no. You pet them. Put them first. Put them first. Ask yourself the question. <clears throat> well, no, I don't want to say that just yet. I'm not ready. Here's another thing. Some of you guys, dude, you need to learn to communicate. Talk. Meaningful conversation. That did not go over very well. I'm going to go over here, see if I can find some help. And the same thing's true. You know, I mean, I don't know what your personalities are. You know, some folk, they got no problem talking. Have you ever noticed that? That was a joke. They have a lot to say. It's like a machine gun, you know, or like a semi-automatic that somebody took the pin out and baby, now it's fully automatic. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, before I get in trouble. But um, conversation, communicating. You know, when you have problems in your life, at night is not the time to talk about them. Just a little piece of advice. You know, people will, you know, people will talk when they get in bed because it's the first time they haven't had a chance to even talk to another. Dumb. Way dumb. Dumb. Everybody say dumb. Dumb. You're dumb and dumber. That's right. Um, your bedroom is a place for rest and comfort and peace and love, not problems. Don't take them in there. You know, if there's an issue in your life, I mean, it's already an issue, so what difference does it make? Eight hours isn't going to matter. Just say, can we talk about this in the morning when we're fresh? Talk about your problems when you're fresh. Because I'll tell you this much about it, you'll respond differently than you, when you've had a hard day and everybody's been after you and you're just about half grumpy anyway. You want to talk now? I'm ready. Probably not, not the time to discuss those things. It's a simple thing, but it works. So at least you can be intelligent <laughs> about what it is that you're thinking about and what you're saying. The outcome will be different. It'll be better. Say, ah, we don't have time for that. Okay. No problem. Do it your way. Why don't you make time? You got time. <laughs> Love. The way to victory. Hallelujah. Stuff works. Praise God. We're proof of it. Amen. Hallelujah. I mentioned this earlier in the message about, you know, before she and I got saved, I mean, it was impossible for us to love like Jesus loved. We didn't have the capacity to. It wasn't until we got saved, turned on to the Word of God. Thank God for the new birth. Amen? You know? I mean, the thing about it is, is if you've got to have your nature changed in order to do this Jesus' way. You know, you could take a horse and a mule, take a thoroughbred, somebody, you know, some horse, racing horse or something like that, and a mule. You can do everything you do to this thoroughbred, to this mule, 
But I tell you this much about it. When they open up the gate, that mule is going to act like a mule. He is not going to run down that. You get in the picture? Why? Because you can't change the nature of the animal. You can groom them. You can feed them. You know, you can give them all this and that and the other and the whatever and the best of whatever and this and that and the other. But I tell you what, they'll still be a mule. Now, please don't go off in your thought life about thinking about your other half as, think of them as the thoroughbred. Okay? <laughs> Only Jesus, thank you, Lord, can change the nature of a person. But once that nature is changed, then you and I have the responsibility to yield to the, to the direction and the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Can, can you say amen? And so let's talk about that just a little bit. You know, and, and maybe this is an important point, but th- because people ask this question, you know, why do we see uh, Christians fussing with one another? Fussing is a kind word. I'm trying to be kind. You know, arguing maybe is a better. Why do we see couples ending in divorce? Why do we see Christians that are angry and hostile and frustrated? Why do we see Christians failing in their walk with God, bound by addictions, saying things that they shouldn't say? Why? Well, let me ask you this question. What dominates your life, child of God? Does he or does something else? Because if you let your flesh dominate you, it'll kill you. If you let the devil influence your thinking, it'll ki- well, he'll destroy you. See, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, not your spouse, walks about seeking whom he may, what's the word? Say it again. He wants to devour people. So, you know, people say, well, you know, I just think as a Christian, you know, we should be so nice and kind and whatever. Sometimes, dude, you need to declare war. There's no pussyfooting around when it comes to these matters. You say, well, I'm just not wired that way. Listen, the lion of the tribe of Judah lives on the inside of you. And we're talking about someone who is your enemy. Are you with me? The Bible says that you are to resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the next time that you're tempted, you know, to get mad, you just have to say, nope. Okay, I'm going over here. The next time that you're tempted to become mad, you say, no, I'm out. And that's true, not just in a married relationship, it's true in any relationship. People say things, you know, and a lot of times it's, it's, it's said or it's, it's couched in an attempt to drag you into their mess. You can say, well, you can have all that you want, I'm out. Praise God, it's pretty smart, isn't it? Huh? That's what they did to Jesus. The Bible tells us time and time again, they would try to engage him in these, these matters to what? Tempt him, to try to get him drug into their mess. A lot of times he wouldn't even answer them. Woo! I like him. And he always came out on top. Hallelujah. You know, what dominates your life? People say, well, it depends on what time of the day it is. Well, that might be, but we're, we're looking for some consistency here, okay? What is it that dominates your life? 
Have you ever asked yourself the question before you do something, how's this going to affect the other person? Well, no. That's, that's an original thought. I've never done that. Well, think about that sometime. Before you go doing what it is that you do, think about how it might affect the other person where their lives are concerned. Um, when I was a kid growing up, and, you know, again, you know, when you're young, you don't, I mean, you just kind of, whatever happens, happens. But I remember my mother would prepare these meals, and, and how many of you know preparing food requires a little work? It sure does. And she would prepare these nice meals, and, and it would all be done, and my dad was nowhere to be found because he was still in a bar drinking. Had no regard for coming home because his wife had prepared a meal for him. So we'd sit and wait until he showed up. Are you listening to me? You, have, you need to ask yourself the question sometimes, how are the decisions and actions that you take going to affect the other person? With me? Now again, you know, I'm talking about this in the context that understanding that we're fallible, you know, we, I mean, we're not going to be perfect at this, but we can get better. Everybody say, I can get better. And God wants you to get better, you know, so that you don't have to do the I'm sorry and repent thing so much. Okay? Now, if you got to do a lot of that on the front end, hallelujah, go for it. It'll, it'll pay big dividends. You say, I don't like that, man. That's very humbling. Yes, it is. And it's also good for you. Praise the Lord. Again, love, the way to victory. I'm just, I have to keep referring to that because, after all, you all said you wanted to win. Amen? How's it going to affect? You know, there's two things Christians need to understand. And uh, where are we here? Okay, two things that people or Christians need to understand that if, if you, listen, if these things are left unchecked as a believer, as a child of God, they'll destroy your life. I don't care if you are a child of God. He's given you victory. He wants you to have life and life more abundant. But dude, you're the deal. You're going to make the decision. You're going to choose. And if these things get left unchecked, they'll destroy your life. You know, again, people say, well, how come this, you know, this or that or that? Or, I mean, they, I thought they were a great Christian. It didn't make any difference if you've got a tag on you called Christian. Maybe you are a Christian. But if you don't walk in the light of the Word of God, it doesn't matter. You're going to fail. Are you with me? You know, when Jimmy Swigert and, and Jim Baker, when they fell, you know, I mean, people thought, my God, what's going on? The end of the world's coming. No, they're just high-profile people that made mistakes, and it cost them dearly. And I tell you what, when that happened, there was a real shift that took place within the world about trust. Okay? In the last year, and I, I don't, statistically, I don't know this, but, you know, within certain circles of evangelicalism, over 20 pastors have failed in one way or another because of this, that, or the other. Why? Because they're fallible. They're people. You know, sometimes, you know, when it comes to these high-profile individuals, their, their talent or their gifting or their anointing outstrips their character or outpaces their character. And so their character will not hold up under all of the accolades, all of the success, all of the whatever, whatever. 
Well, don't be discouraged about it. They're just human. Are you with me? It is to be regretted, and hopefully they can find a place of repentance and, and that there can be something redeemed from whatever it is that's gone on. It doesn't change God. Are you with me? And people say, well, that's, that's the end of that. I'll never this. I'll never that. Wait a minute. Before you get all carried away with that, think about what it is that you're saying. Are you with me? I'm telling you what, I'm pursuing God no matter what happens to whatever or whoever, if I can be a part of the process of reconciliation and bring grace and blessing to their life, I'm in. But I'm not going to change the pursuit and the path because, you know, of someone else. See, because what happens, people in their minds, they go, well, I mean, if they can't do it, I mean, who, I mean you know, forget it. We're, 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 uh, we've had it. That's not true. I said, that's not true. Just because someone else, you know, made a mistake or something like that, it doesn't, how does that, how does that translate into you can't make it? Does that make sense to you? Pray for them. They need your prayers. Are you with me? Remember I was telling you these two things unchecked? You say, what are them two things, man? I've been waiting for them. Here they are. You ready? Your flesh, number one. And the influence of the devil. He's the God of this world. Are you with me? And thank God Jesus went to a cross and defeated him, spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphed over them in it. He said, I've got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. And now you go in my name. He's given us authority. But you have to resist the devil. Like I said, you know, if you're influenced by, you know, the temptation of wanting to get angry, you pass it up. You say, can I do that? Yeah. Yep, that works. Amen. You may have to walk away. You might have to go, you know, kick something. I don't know. But just don't say nothing and don't do nothing dumb. Are you with me? How many of you have ever done anything dumb? Okay, just asking. Amen. We are in a battle. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness. You know, we're in this world, but thank God we're not of it. So we can resist the devil. Hallelujah. Jesus did it with the, with the, the word. Turn with me real quick. I'm going to bring to a close here. I've been talking long enough, but... Galatians chapter 6, this is where, or 5, we kind of left off here last time when we were together. Y'all doing all right? You know, just resituate yourself. You know, if you got to do a little something, something, you know, get your blood going or whatever, just, just hang on here a little bit. I only get just a little bit. You know, the musicians, they took up all my time. So, you know, I mean, what am I supposed to do? You know, feel sorry for me, will you? Praise God. <clears throat> Before you look at that, you in Galatians, hold your finger there and look at Romans chapter 8. Say, see, that's how you are, preacher. You tell us one more scripture, and then you lie about it, and now you've got another scripture. Well, I guess you're right. I repent. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to read this. Uh, my wife told me, you know, I was reading out of the King James last week. 
She said, honey, you can't use the King James. They don't know what emulations are. I said, you're right. We'll change that up. But this is in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. I'm reading from the New Living Translation for Jim Kinghorn. Listen to this. Those, this is verse 5 out of Romans chapter 8. Those who are dominated or controlled by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. How many of you like that proposition? Okay. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And all and Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give you life, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Isn't that good? He said, you know, it's just a matter of what it is that you're being controlled by. Now let's go to Galatians uh, chapter 5, and let's read this together. Verse 13, for brethren, you've been called to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love Serve one another. For all of the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, you better take heed that you be not consumed one of another. So this is what I'm telling you to do. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For then he goes on to say, just what we got done reading, the flesh lusts against the spirit, spirit against the flesh. They're contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by, thank God, the Holy Ghost, then you're not under the law. Now, as a request of my wife, I'm going to read <laughs> in verse 19, so you don't have to figure out what emulations are. I'm going to read, this comes from the uh, English Standard Version, begin with verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. We're talking about things that people are controlled by when they allow their flesh to do the leading. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, 
envy, drunkenness, orgies, and uh, things like these. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who <clears throat> do or practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we're living in a society and culture right now where, dude, I'm telling you, immorality is rampant. And they're trying to shove it down our kids' throats. You know, if the world has their way, they'll destroy your kids. But you're not going to let them do that. I said you're not going to let them do that. The stuff that they're trying to uh, throw down people's throat right now in the way of curriculum is from hell. It is absolutely demonic. Kids are going to lose. They, they won't even know who they are. You talk about identity problems. They will be so jacked that they won't know whether they're coming or going. That's why the world needs you. And that's why the world needs the church. And that's why it needs your voice. You know? You don't have to be adversarial about it. You just say, I'm telling you right now, dude, that stuff will kill you. Because it will. I want to read it from the New Living Translation, verse 19. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature or the flesh, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of a life, they're not inheriting the kingdom of heaven. So thank God we've been delivered, amen? And we don't have to live that way. I'm telling you, here's the thing about it, you guys. I mean, some of the stuff that God has delivered you from, a lot of times we don't feel like we're making much progress, but look where you are. Huh? You're not going out with them women that chew. Huh? At least I hope you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you a story about chewing once? I was a teenager putting up hay. We put up hay all morning. You know, you go to the farmhouse and, you know, we're throwing bales and all this. You know, we get done eating usually a huge meal. It's like, holy cow, my blood's all going to my tummy. I want a nap. But no, no. We're on this, you know, low boy, and we're heading back to the field. And this guy pulls out this, uh, uh, a sack of Red Man. It's not the snuff type stuff. It's the chewing tobacco, I guess it is. And he pulls a big old wad of that out, you know, and he stuffs it in his cheek and whatever. He goes, you want some of this? Of course, I'm a kid, teenager. You know, so he gives me some of this stuff. And I, I'm, I put it in my right here, Bill, you know, someplace, you know, in my mouth. I am not kidding you, dude. In two minutes, my whole world was spinning. I thought, my God, what is this stuff anyway? You know? And then all of a sudden, dude, I wanted to puke. So I just decided, you know what? I don't think I like this. And I spit it out. He says, you're not much for that, are you? I said, nope, sure not. Well, you know, you can find out real quick what you don't want, can't you? Praise God. Well, enough about all that. Aren't you glad you came today? Praise God, the love way is the best way. The love way is the winner's way. And we are winners, glory to God. So we're going to walk in love. We're going to enjoy the blessing of God, divine health. You know, that's another thing. You get all ornery and jacked up and, you know, out of joint, you know, you can get sick. Yeah, that's a fact. 
Whew, don't want that. Let's stay happy, shall we? Why don't you stand with me? You've been sitting long enough. 11.02, man, I did good. That's an hour and 15 minutes. That's like a record. Hallelujah. Praise God. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Father, we're so grateful. You've given us life. You've given us the capacity to love. There's an internal deposit that has been <clears throat> made within us that are born of your spirit, of you yourself. God, I pray for those that are within the sound of my voice, even those may be watching, Father, by internet. That God, that we would learn to live by the law of love. And not only that, Father God, but be followers of you as dear children and walk in love, practice love, believe the best in others, praise God. Ask ourselves how it's going to affect someone else when it comes to our actions. To be people of kindness, to be tender-hearted. Father God, I thank you for your grace in our lives that enables us to do what it is you would have us to do. But Father, I pray for each and every person within the sound of my voice. Father, even those that have made this church their home, but they're not here today, we pray for them. That God, that love would be the enduring word in all of their relationships as husbands and wives, as family members, and Father God, even in acquaintances that they have. God, may, may it be proven by our lives, just as Jesus said, that they will know that we are your disciples because we love. And I just thank you, Father God, for your blessing in this house here this morning. I'd like for you just to go ahead and be seated, but remain with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if you would, please. A couple things I want to challenge you with this morning. I'd be amiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to respond to what it is that you've heard here today. And you know, there has to be an action. In other words, what am I going to do? Because you know, repentance without an action is a lie. It might be that we've had some loveless behavior in our lives here of late, but what's gonna happen? I mean, what are you gonna do? Are we gonna stop mistreating? Are we gonna stop the harsh or corrupt speech? Are we gonna stop the selfish behavior? Are we gonna say, I'm sorry? While your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If in your life these things have occurred here of late and nothing's been done about it, but you're saying, God, I, I need to make a change. I need to, I need to turn this ship around. Right now is the time to do that, and you can. So while every head's bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around, you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to get my, I want to get things right and straightened up. Can I see your hand anywhere? Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yes, thank you. I know, you know, I mean, we, we are people, we're humans, and we do make mistakes, but I tell you what, Thank God today we can get it turned around. Are there others that will join these that have raised their hands? Praise God. Thank you, sir. Bless you. Anybody else? It's not really for me to see, but I think that acknowledgement is important. You got to say to God, I need to do something here. 
And it starts with repenting before him. Anybody else before we pray? Now, maybe you're here this morning, and it could be even those of you that are watching by internet. You know, you've got a situation in your life. You can pray this prayer. God will forgive you right where you are and make a difference and a change in your life. But while heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Thank you, ma'am. You can put your hand down. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked Christ to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. You know, I know it's a decision and absolutely it is without question, but it'll be the very best decision that you have ever made in your life because he'll change you from the inside out. I promise you that. But he wants to have all of your heart, all your soul and all your mind. It's, a, it's an all or nothing at all deal, I'll tell you that. But I tell you what, it'll be a decision that you will never regret. So while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you've never made that commitment, you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I have an interest in your prayer. I want to know him in a real and genuine way. Can I see your hand anywhere as I look? And even those of you that may be watching by internet, respond, okay? Thank you. Bless you. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? If it's just for the one, it's worth it all. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, church. I'd like for you to just follow me in it. Those of you that raised your hand, just let your heart agree. God knows exactly where you are. He knows what you need. And I tell you what, praise God, as you talk with him, that's what prayer is. Praise God, he's going to meet you right where you are. Say this after me, dear Heavenly Father, I come today and I ask you to forgive me all my sins. Come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. I make you Lord. I ask you, Lord, to help me as a believer in my decisions in my choices, in my speech. Lord, I thank you for this thing called love that you loved me with. And I commit to you today to love as you loved because you asked me to. Thank you for helping me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Now, for those of you that responded to make a decision for the first time to receive Christ, we'll dismiss after our offering and things. We have some uh, <clears throat> people that provide some um, counsel. They're not counselors in the strictest sense, but they do have some material that they would love to put in your hands to help you get started on this decision. So when we dismiss, if you're willing, I'll, I'll still be standing down here just come down I want to congratulate you on your decision and not only that but I want to make sure that you can get some of this material put into your hands and help you get started it'll be a blessing to you those of you that responded uh, otherwise um, about needing to make uh, some changes in your lives I, I just want to ask you 
what does that look like? I mean, in other words, like I said, you know, to repent without action is meaningless. What are you going to do? How are you going to change that? It, it, it may represent nothing more than having a, a, an honest conversation with someone to ask them to forgive you, to repent. You say, that's really hard to do. It might be, but it'll be the most freeing thing that you've ever done. Because, hallelujah, I'm telling you what, repentance is good for the soul. And that's the greatest place to start. So don't let it get away from you. That happens all the time. But then the other thing too is, is there may be other um, behavioral changes that you can make, you know, and um, I pray for you because I want you to have the best. Harsh words will never help. So make the decision. That's the end of that. We won't be having those kind of words again. Are you listening to me? And um, it'll, it'll put you on a path or in a trajectory that leads toward blessing in your life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. What will you do? You know, sometimes, <laughs> you ever heard the term about getting in a pickle? Sometimes we have difficulties within our lives because we allow ourselves to get ourselves in a pickle. You know what I'm saying? So maybe we have to change some of the things that we're doing so that we don't get all knotted up. Now, I know none of you ever get knotted up. Maybe I'm just talking to the people that are out there in internet land. But you know, it might be a thing, you know, because we end up getting, you know, like I said, you know, the devil, he is a master at, at manipulating and getting people into positions that they didn't want to be in, but here they are, and then it, 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 it produces a reaction. So maybe we got to make some changes like, okay, we ain't doing this because I know that's what caused this, so we're done with that. You know what I'm saying? But I just ask God to give you wisdom uh, where your lives are concerned so that we won't end up in these traps and that we'll put a guard over our lives because that's what giving the devil no place means. It's like, no, uh-uh, not here, baby. You see that banner right there? That's a blood-stained banner of Jesus. And, and the flag right underneath it, that's the law of love. That's in my house. It's in my life. This is what I do. That's what we do. This is how we roll. So you are not welcome here. Hallelujah. And you'll have the best of life. You believe that? Praise God. Okay, enough about all that. Let's receive a morning offering. The ushers are coming. Look at them.